Welcome to Design by Us, the show where we discuss how humans design the world. My name is Ravi, and with me, as always, is it's Luigi. How you doing? Luigi. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I'm good overall. It's good. Net positive. <laughs> Net positive. You know, I was really thinking about like a really cheesy way to start this, but I was just okay. thinking that we just drive forward anyway. What, what do you think? Yeah, I can yeah. start with an anecdote. Go for it. This episode. Yeah, it was midnight, and then Ravi calls me in the middle of the night, saying, <laughs> "Luigi, come here, come here. You need to see this. You need to see this right now." I was like, "Okay, what's up, yeah. man? I've been pay- playing PS5." this Gran Turismo game and I honestly this is why people shouldn't be allowed to, to drive when they drink like look at this guy how he crashes into me I'm like Ravi did you seriously wake me up in the middle of the did night did I really wake you up for it? I was in bed or something and like just to tell me how someone crashed into you in Gran Turismo yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. I remember that Gran Turismo sport. Anyway, look, we're, we're talking about Gran Turismo today, and yeah. to be honest, this has been something that I've been campaigning to get onto the show for a little while now, and I'm pleased. And I think that the main format of this will be me trying to convince Luigi, and probably to an extent, a lot of our listeners, as to why this video game or a video game should be considered on such a you know fantastic and high and highbrow podcast such as ours. Yeah. Um, Full disclosure: I know close to nothing, so I'll be questioning the game from a game design. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I've never 100%. really played it. I have yeah. no emotional attachment yeah, to the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, look, to be honest, ne- neither do I that much. No, 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 hold on. You Let- woke me up in mid- at midnight to yeah, tell me well, how look, someone the- crashed into me. The thing is, I, lo- I and particularly in the earlier episodes of the show, okay. you probably get the sense I love cars more than I love Gran Turismo. And specifically, I wouldn't say Gran Turismo is my okay. is my first video game car, video game about cars okay. that I loved, right? Okay. But, you know, about three or four years ago when the PlayStation and the Xbox were coming up coming out again i made a decision i'm gonna be a gran turismo player going forward because it looked like that was gonna be the best video game about racing in this generation okay right? so first and foremost like in an alternate universe where forza seemed to be a lot better than gran turismo this podcast would be about forza because ultimately ultimately it's about video games that are about racing and it's okay about and why did you pick gran turismo because basically the the previous game called so okay we're already going off topic but that's okay uh, but, but, but basically <laughs> basically tldr the, the last games were better on playstation gran turismo was better than forza which comes out on xbox which okay. is on xbox yeah and i've and i figured that, that trend would continue based on everything that i knew so i bought the playstation 5 before gran turismo was announced i think okay yeah okay so you basically got effed by xbox only rolling out forza in uh yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And then also like... Um, is that owned I, by Microsoft or something? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Forza is owned by Microsoft, yes. Made That's by like... Turn 10 Studios. But like also like the previous Forza game was not as good as the previous Gran Turismo game as well. Okay. And these things are highly iterative. So like... So you got affected by the monopoly that Microsoft will have in gaming and that will just keep increasing. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting. Like yeah. the whole idea of like console exclusives as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... Yeah, Sony's got Gran Turismo, Microsoft has got Forza. Yeah, yeah. And do you know what's interesting? I'll give you a fun fact, all right? Okay. Kazunori Yamuchi, the kind of like seen as the godfather of this, mm-hmm. he was first contracted and his company was first contracted to make a Mario Kart uh, game for the PlayStation 1. Oh, really? So that's how he started making racing games. So really... Did that even come out? It did, yeah, yeah, it did. It wasn't a big... It wasn't A, big a Mario Kart for PlayStation? Yeah, not actually Mario Kart, but like oh. a Mario, Mario Kart inspired game. Okay. And um, yeah, basically, like, really, we're all just playing Mario Kart. I agree. I think that's the <laughs> ultimate best uh, racing game in the world, Mario Kart. Nice. Yeah, well, look, it's really interesting actually thinking about what happened back in those early days of Gran Turismo, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine that the year is 1992, right? Okay. It's two years before the 
or one or two years before the PS1 comes out, right? It's going to change video games forever, right? It's not even going to change video games. It's going to create video games, arguably, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's the start of, you know, an industry that's bigger than Hollywood, right? Arguably, Nintendo changed that before, but all right. Yeah, but then remember, the PS1 outsold everything. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, basically, they were like, he was like, I really want to make this racing game. And they were like, Sony were like, mm, why don't you just copy Mario Kart? So he's like, okay, fine. I will make a Mario Kart game with realistic simulation physics. Okay. <laughs> so he makes that. It's cool. Mario Kart proves that you don't need realistic physics. <laughs> I know. A game but this is what this yeah. is what's so interesting, right? Because it wasn't, he was just like, yeah, fine. Well, I'll just start. So he released that game with his team in 94, mm-hmm. straight onto the PS1. Uh, and then basically three years later, Gran Turismo 1 followed. So even though like basically everyone says that Gran Turismo 1 took five years to make because he was making this game so he can make Gran Turismo. Okay, so it was like I mean? a proof of concept? Yeah, basically yeah. like I can make a racing game, my team can make a racing game and it will be good. And basically after Motor Toon Grand Prix came out, they basically gave him the green light to make Gran Turismo. So it's like, okay. kind of like this, despite the odd story, which is really, really interesting. Did you ever play that game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What was the MVP like? Because I assume they were like, okay, we need yeah. to like max it to like X number of cars or X number of tracks. Yeah. Or X number of Grand Prix. Well, I have no idea. The MVP was pretty interesting, right? So by MVP, I assume you mean Gran Turismo 1, right? The first release game. Oh, no, the previous one. Oh, Motor Tune yeah. Grand Prix. Oh, I don't know. I never played that. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it was commercially successful. What about Gran Turismo 1? Yeah, I played that. All right. So yeah. how was that as an MVP compared to the well, current it was, one, Grand Turismo. It was mad. It had 150 cars. Okay, so it wasn't right. that MVP then. No, no, it was a full... Dude, they spent five years making it. And what's interesting, mm-hmm. there was only a team of like 10 people by the end of it that were making this game. Yeah, and apparently okay. it was like super crunch mode. They were like sleeping in the office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a great game called... A great book for game design called A Spelunky. Oh, yeah? That basically they say that <laughs> the last... 5% of making the yeah, game yeah, is yeah. as much as the other 95%. <laughs> um, that makes sense, yeah. It usually takes time because it's where all the pieces come together. But anyway. Yeah. Okay. So Gran Turismo 1. Yeah, Gran Turismo 1. So Gran Turismo 1 comes out. And what's really interesting about it as well is that it's basically one of the only games on PlayStation 1 to run at 30 frames per second. So mm. it's 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 a very, like, they wrote it in assembly code. And I'm not a programmer. And I'm sure people listening to this might know more about programming than me. But as I understand it, it's very close to, like, it's not very abstract like it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's very like close to basic what, yeah yeah exactly yeah basic is good and it gives it gives them more control to be able to do more impressive things with it yeah um and that was like yeah that's one of the reasons why it took so long because they were just trying to get every single bit of performance out of that poor old playstation one okay yeah so 330 frames per second yeah and the first gran turismo game 150 cars it was 330 megabytes and it wasn't connected to the cloud yeah none of that yeah not connected to cloud or anything which is which is amazing i'll give you another cool i'll give you another fun fact as well right the cars in gran turismo one were made from 300 polygons. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. For reference, uh, the latest stat that I was able to find for Gran Turismo 4, which I believe from memory came out on PlayStation 2, was half a million polygons. So imagine like designing a car yeah. with basically 300 triangles. Yeah. And how can you make it look like that car? <laughs> like okay. recognizably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like a good car. Yeah. Which is the whole point of it, right? It's supposed to be the real driving simulator. It's supposed to yeah, be yeah. like real life. Like the wheel has at least what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, like the four wheels. Might so have. many round shapes. Yeah, it's like 25, <laughs> 25 polygons per wheel. It's not like it's you can, 100. It's not like you can do like a ratchet and clank or something where it's just like, oh yeah. no, this board is just very pointy because it's trying to emulate reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder what what was the workarounds, I think. Because I assume they didn't use like 25 polygons per wheel. Like they were like, 
yeah they maybe, figure something out. maybe like on a on a wheel like you know how you've got like a wheel is like two circles right yeah, yeah. like side by side maybe the outer wheel had more polygons than the inner side yeah, of the yeah, wheel, yeah. which which you can see sure there were a few paper cuts uh, yeah interesting okay yeah okay and uh, i had another question around uh you said the wheels and then the frames mm -hmm. what was the average uh, frame per per second in, in ps1 do you know honestly i don't know uh but th but but 30 30 fps is pretty um pretty impressive on the ps1 yeah uh 25 frames per second yeah oh, oh but then that Europe. yeah that would depend on ntsc versus pal yeah okay all right but yeah okay cool so that was ps what made that game that that is special for you then well it didn't really because i didn't really play it that much as a kid I, I was ah. a bit, I think we've already had this conversation, but a bit like you, I guess, like um I was always a bit behind on the video games. Like as in what you know, whatever the current console generation was, I had the previous one. Okay. So I was playing PS1 like way later than I should have been. You also were born a bit later. Yeah. But like a year, right? Like you could play games a bit later than nineteen ninety two. Well you say nineteen ninety two was the PS one rolled out? Uh, ninety three, I think. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you had a few years. Yeah, to wait for to, it, but but the point, up. but yeah, but the point is that like you know like yeah anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah anyway, so okay. like um yeah that, that's that's it that doesn't have a special place in my heart. And, okay. And to be honest, Gran Turismo probably doesn't anyway. I just find it like a really satisfying experience because I think it's a very well designed experience. Okay. Why? Well, mm -hmm. great question, WT. I I think it comes down to like the way that basically racing video games hack my mind. So I think you might want to speak more to this in a bit, but I was doing some research on like game design and like how they incentivize people to do stuff. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like why, why do I want to play a video game? Right. And basically why does anyone play a video game? And basically there's, it comes down to like progression and there's two types of progression and progression is quite like a, there's a great uh, video, which I, which I put in the, um, in the, in the show notes, but basically progression is like, like this kind of like quite broad concept. You know, what is, what is progression in a video game? What does that mean? Uh, but you can break it down into like intrinsic progression mm -hmm. and extrinsic, extrinsic progression. Yeah. So when we think about like, oh, like how can we incentivize people to play video games? We think about shit like stuff like gamification mm -hmm. and like, oh, let's give people levels and stuff like that, which is important and, and makes sense. And I'll, maybe later when we talk about Gran Turismo 7, the most recent iteration of Gran Turismo, we can talk about that more. But I think there's something quite fundamental about racing games that really appeals to me because they give me like intrinsic motivation yeah, yeah, to yeah. just get better at the game it's like people who like really like playing chess just so they can get better at chess there's no levels in chess there's no kind of like you know yeah, yeah yeah you know it's just like just the pure getting better at this skill and seeing the results and i think seeing it in a really tangible way with like lap types going down and speeds going up and the numbers improving like really appeals to me so if i understand this correctly mm -hmm. do you have a a, a game you basically are at starting point a mm -hmm. and there is a a hill you need to climb and that is point b and that hill basically is usually more like a hockey stick and the hockey stick uh, is basically progression as you were saying uh, and in order for you to get from point a to point b at the top of the hill you need to have a a reason to get there mm -hmm. that reason is as you said intrinsic and extrinsic motivators extrinsic could be something like status in the world it could be like, like getting coins getting external things like uh the game puts you in and intrinsic is more like just a motive like a self-motivator and emotion a, a thing yeah. that drives me forward yeah, yeah and for you if i'm trying to understand this correctly for you it was just getting better at laps like just getting better at the game like, yeah why? yeah yeah well it's like it's like people who play musical instruments like why do they do that if they're never going to be a you know a musical artist or whatever like there's just something enjoyable about it 
So you just find that meditative or something? Yeah, like I think meditative is a great word. Like, mm. it's, honesty is a great word. And honestly, like, one of my favorite things to do is, like, put an album on. Because you can now... You couldn't do this back in the day. Yeah. But now you can put an album on on Apple Music on your PlayStation. Yeah. Get the volume sliders just right. And then just drive, like, 30 laps of the same circuit in a car. Each lap, just trying to go point naught naught one seconds faster. Or not even that much faster. Mm-hmm. Just driving around. To be honest... What I, I never really got into racing games, mm-hmm. but what I found the most engaging and interesting was not the racing itself, but it was more like how to climb that hill of, because you can climb that hill for multiple reasons. You can just keep playing, you can buy, you can do multiple things. But for me, it was the most interesting. It's like, okay, if I earn this car, do I play with this car after? Yeah. Or do I like, there's usually like a marketplace that you can yeah, sell yeah, the car to. Yeah, yeah. Or you upgrade, which part do you upgrade because you have limited resources. So yeah, that was yeah. the part I enjoyed the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I never really got into the racing because I needed to race to get earned yeah, things, yeah, but yeah, yeah. the strategy of getting there was yeah, yeah, what, yeah. I, what I enjoyed the most. So, so that's interesting. So that's kind of like the leveling up, the kind of extrinsic motivation that appeals to you. Yeah. Interesting. I'd say that I'd say that's the same for me, but once I got the car that I wanted, I was like, I don't need any more cars. I've got my favorite. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Um, okay. So that was GT1. Well, no, that is GT. Like me talking about that. Okay. Is GT2. GT, is, no, it's GT7. Oh, again, okay. like I didn't, when I played it, like back in the day, I was like six, mate. Okay. I wasn't like sat there like, I'm extrinsically or intrinsically motivated right now. <laughs> yeah, that's a very smart kid. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll give you another fun fact about GT1. Okay. Right? How seriously it took itself, right? And that's another thing I like about it. Is it's very serious. Right? It takes itself seriously. This is real drive. If you want to play Mario Kart, go play Mario Kart, right? Man, hey. Apparently. We don't, we don't install Mario Kart in this appara- Apparently. Apparently, I haven't been able to verify it. The first game came out with an instruction, an instruction booklet that was 100 pages. And each one was wow. like, oh, like if you change the camber, like each page was like, if you change the camber on your front left tire, this is what it's going to do to your driving dynamics because it's all simulated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like the best way to enter a corner is to brake late. Uh, and the apex is usually found here. However, if you're going on like a long straight, you want to take a later apex, all this kind of stuff. And that, that came with the game. Yeah. That's quite interesting because I find that the the best part of the game is that when there when there are no instructions and you have to trial and error to actually yeah, yeah. figure out how you progress in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, that's interesting. They made that that decision. At the end of the day, it's a design decision. They say actually let's make this available. Do you think it was too hard then? Maybe that's why they did it. Like, it was one of the maybe the first games the user wasn't used to having that many variables to control. I, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Again, it's a category definer. Like we live in a world where racing games are a thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you got to imagine there was no racing games before. Yeah, yeah. There was no definition of like what yeah. could that be. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, end result of Gran Turismo One: eighty-five million copies sold. Which today is like I think it's like the third highest selling wow. Gran Turismo game, and Gran Turismo is huge. Yeah. So like you can just see how like how many people were like you know, eighty-one million, eighty-five million copies. Eighty-five sold. million. So yeah. I got here that apparently Sony sold a uh, hundred and two million units worldwide yeah. as of September twenty twenty-three. Yeah. So as of September, <laughs> whereas in September twenty-two it was a hundred and wait, is that PS ones? Yeah. Apparently. It's such a weird way to say that stat. Yeah. As of September 2023. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess people could buy and play. I don't know. I have no idea. But that means that 85% of the people that bought a PS1, PS, PS1 
one bother went to Gran Turismo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's cool. And, it's, and actually, it's really interesting because after that game released, then Sony bought the studio. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Because, yeah, like you said, like, the maths are quite easy, right? It's like 85%, yeah. well, slightly less than 85% of yeah. PS1s shipped with a, or eventually got a yeah. disc of Gran Turismo. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is, which is crazy. Yeah, it also gives the, the reason, like, we know if we make a PS2 and we make a new Gran Turismo, we know that those people yeah. probably buy a PS2. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But um, what what's interesting as well, like this kind of tradition of like, you know, so basically like the Gran Turismo started development before the PlayStation was released, right? Mm -hmm. So they were developing it on pre-release hardware. And apparently the size of the PlayStation 1 for like development was the size of a fridge. Okay. Because it's huge, right? And it was yeah. like before they'd made it all small and before they, I think they intentionally make it large so people don't know what it's going to look like. But, yeah, but, but, but basically like, um, you know, that's kind of the world they were going into. But this tradition of getting every single thing that they could out of the PlayStation on whatever generation they were on, like continued. There was a really great interview. Um, it will be in the, uh, in the show notes with uh, Kazunori Yamuchi. Mm -hmm. Again, he's the creator or the producer. And he, he once the PS4 came out, he was talking about how, how hard they did, how hard they worked to get the PlayStation, like to make that version of Gran Turismo work really well on that PlayStation 4. And then in this interview, I've got, I've got to show you, I've got to read you some of it. Starts absolutely roasting the PlayStation 3, right? The PlayStation 3 was a combination of a poor GPU with an SPU that's really fast if you use it right. It's not a very well-balanced machine. It's hard to use the hardware properly. <laughs> it's just like, just out of nowhere, just like completely starts roasting this uh this poor playstation and yeah like again you know it, it, it strikes me and this game strikes me as the kind of game where it's just like they look at the the playstation that they've got and they're just like instead of like a call of duty or something where they're like how can we get this game to run on that thing quite cheaply and on time so we can hit the christmas release mm -hmm. they're just like let's get everything out of it and game and gran turismo games are always delayed as well because of that they spent ages just doing all this kind of stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay that's interesting it, regarding the hardware mm -hmm. hardware it reminded me nintendo used to do the same thing mm -hmm. where they just they just have these random huge consoles yeah. And I think they did it as well with the first iPhone. Already, oh, yeah. Yeah. To yeah. test the basically they used to call it, it's a very great book called um, uh, The Creative Creative Selection by mm -hmm. Ken Cosienda, where they describe when they were making the first iPhone. Mm -hmm. They just had this thing that I forgot how they used to call, but it was basically like a simulator of a touch, multi touch screen. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was just apparently this huge apparatus that uh, after I Googled it, mm -hmm. and it was just literally like a black box uh, <laughs> with like a very tiny screen that yeah, people yeah. can test things yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because they don't want to give away what it's going to look like. I think it's that, and it's also a combination of. Like we're just gonna give you just what you need, um, and we we don't care about making it fancy and like put it in a nice circuit. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, if we yeah. just give you a yeah. an Arduino with a, <laughs> with an, a software on it, then you should be able to test it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So that's Gran Turismo. Yeah, and that's how they kind of like get the hardware out. What I find interesting is how you need to because all of these games you you have constraints. You have constraints. They, they used to have it in number of polygons. They have it now with the GPU and uh, all the performance of the game. Now we're lucky that you can just make software updates so you can improve those things. But for things like this, like how do you... I find really interesting how these game designers just need to keep all of these things in mind as well mm. and not like, not over-engineer the game Yeah, with yeah, all yeah. the physics. and Or, or like, or like under-engineer it, knowing that you can just throw raw computing power at it. Can you under-engineer it? Well, like if you're like, 
like would you say like, Mario Kart is under engineered? No, but like say for example you're simulating tires, right? Lateral forces as well. So if if you imagine if you take like an eraser and you put it on a like a really rubbery squidgy eraser, if you put it on a table or something and you push it to one side, the top will be moved and yeah. the bottom won't be. Yeah, you have some shear. Yeah, exactly. Shear, exactly. Yeah, it's a great word for it. Like that also affects the way the car drives. Multiply yeah. that by four. Then think about because you've got four four tires. Yeah. Then think about the fact that you've got how um like what surface is each tire on and what parts of each tire on which part of the surface. Yeah. Not only what are they on now, what were they on when you went off track a few minutes ago and you've got sand still in them yeah like come on that's that's different but that's over complicating it that's what i mean that's if you want to get to really close to reality yeah but that's that's my point like but then then you have to make decisions maybe maybe under engineering just like yeah fine we'll just throw them out today yeah and an alternative world you just put a a a tire wearing coefficient that just says based on the speed yeah your tires will wear x amount but that's exactly my point though is like what if um i didn't even talk about tire wear but like what if Maybe under engineer, like maybe in some ways it'd be easier to like completely, it would just be easier to be like, we'll just like copy and paste reality. But when you make those abstractions and you're saying, oh, we need a tire coefficient. Yeah. Is that not arguably more difficult? Do you see what I mean? Because if you're still trying to make it real, like yeah. more close to reality, but then you know that you don't have like the computing power to do that. You've got to make some difficult decisions, right? And some- Yeah, yeah, but my, my argument is that to make a good game, you don't necessarily need to make it super real. Okay, fine. Yeah, okay, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that, of course, yeah. No, of course, but the point is, is that that's Gran Turismo's thing, that it's yeah, supposed yeah. to be kind of semi-realistic. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, another example is just to do, you do, you can do the math outside the game and just kind of have some sort of tabulation where you say for this specific track these are the averages and you just have a very simple function around it you know it's so interesting that you say that because i think that's a wonderful segue into gt sophie gt sophie gt sophie okay or, or sophie ai i actually don't know how they refer to it okay but did you did you look into that at all slightly but you can tell go me on in, in a headline go on it's apparently some ai that watch a bunch of races and learn how to play Gran Turismo against other people. And it was made available for a set amount of months so other people can enjoy it and yeah. play together. Yeah. And it's just dropped in the game fully now. Oh, fully? Yeah. So I that, thought it was only for a few months. Yeah, but literally like last week, they put it back in the game. Forever. Okay. Forever? Well, yeah. As long as the Until they right. start charging for the AI computing power. <laughs> okay. Well, this is what I mean. Like you're talking about, this is why I said it was a great segue because the way that they did it, there's a really great article yeah. called How GT Sophie Actually Works because a lot of the marketing material is just so hand wavy it's just like oh we brought ai into yeah, yeah, yeah and the thing is right ai confusingly is a term that's been used in racing games for a long time when people are just talking about how did the com- how does the computer drive what's it like to drive against them yeah, yeah. all the ai in this game is rubbish they always push me off track or they're really slow or whatever right mm-hmm. so basically they kind of did what you're talking about they like ran a bunch of simulations and they incentivized basically what they did is they they took like a, they called it an agent, right? yeah. which is, and basically that agent has got a bunch of like things it can control. Throttle, essentially not that many actually, throttle, brake and steering angle. And they, okay. bas- and they basically said, we're going to like divide the 60 meters ahead of you into, sorry, we're going to divide six seconds of track ahead of you into 60 in uh, into 60 kind of segments right and we're going to give you position so of 60 like, frames per second no 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 that's so? not maybe okay. it might be tied to fps but it's also like how far it, yeah i guess that makes sense 60 seconds yeah yeah yeah, yeah, so yeah, you yeah. make that decision sorry six frame. seconds yeah, yeah yeah but basically like they also said we can we'll let you change your throttle your steering your brake once every 10 seconds so okay. 10 hertz right then basically they incentivize the model to drive as fast as possible basically and they also did it with opposition cars around it and 
and stuff like that. And basically they did that and it was really difficult for it to run, obviously, because they're training the model and then they took that model and then that's what they gave to the players. Hmm. So arguably kind of like what you're talking about, they did all the hard work. Yeah. Basically distilled it down, create this final model and then just put it in the game. But they have to do it per, they have to do it per circuit and they have to do it per, in Gran Turismo 7, there's like rain and weather and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to do it per circuit, per weather. So it's only available in a few circuits because it's just, I guess it's hard. Okay, yeah. so, okay, so, that, that, so it, fully, it didn't fully learn in all scenarios. No, exactly. It was like, we're going to teach you how to drive on this circuit when it's not raining. Okay. I and, wonder and if that's now, what you need to do, yeah. if they make it available in other places... Okay, so you as a player, yeah, what do you do with it? So basically, it's like it's now like an alternative on the circuits that's available to the default AI, hmm. and the default AI, as as they explained, and this is quoting, was up till now rules based, so basically runs as an if then program. Uh, but no matter how many of these rules are added, it can't handle conditions and environments other than those defined. There you go. Right. I wonder if they're using now. All of these people are going to start using it, and they're going to use that in the same way Tesla is doing it, for example, where they have all of these simulations and get data from your car and so on mm -hmm. as like scenarios to train the model yeah yeah definitely, further. definitely yeah 100 percent. okay I, it, yeah it would surprise me if they weren't doing that yeah, yeah yeah but like um yeah like that's and apparently i haven't raced with it yet but um it's supposed to be a bit more realistic and why is it better because basically imagine you're driving imagine you're trying to drive a, a car game which is like we're gonna like immerse you in the world of cars and like this is gonna be so realistic and stuff like that and then basically the ai on the first corner like all crash into each other and go off track you'd be like okay well what the hell was that hmm. or to make it more difficult the ai cars are literally just faster so yeah. they drive worse but they've got faster cars and that's not really fair yeah, yeah. um and then also like when you're kind of when you're like racing close to another car in, in in like a in gran turismo you know it's difficult like you know are you gonna there's a whole bunch of subtlety there in terms of like it's gonna sound really stupid but like the body <laughs> the like the body language of the way that you race and to me a lot of racing is like communication so when max verstappen and fernando alonso going at it in f1 you know max is kind of like the way he points his car kind of tells alonso a little bit oh, i'm not going to go for it or i'm going to go for it or whatever the case may be so i think that those kind of things are a bit more realistic do people really pay attention in that in gran turismo Mate, dude the gran turismo fan base is the nerdiest fan base on it okay. i can tell i mean based on all the videos i've watched <laughs> about why gran turismo 7 is so bad yeah, I yeah. Can tell. Well, I think that's a great, maybe that's a great place to, to go. Okay. Why, what, tell me, why, why is Gran Turismo so bad? I honestly can't relate to any of the reasons. <laughs> um, but there are a bunch of complaints that I can post you, I send you to a few interesting YouTube videos. But mm -hmm. I think there are multiple reasons. Like the incentives, mm -hmm. again, intrinsic and extrinsic motivations. Apparently, you can do a lot of things really quickly in the game. You can progress really fast. Apparently, a person managed to, I don't know how many types of gameplay were there, but there's one of the gameplays, I think one of, a few of the Grand Prix that they have that they passed through it in like nine hours. Yeah, uh, that was a bit of a complaint. So also, not, not enough content. Yeah, yeah. Solo racing was apparently a bit meh. Yeah. It was it was because the, the AI is rubbish. Okay, yeah. that could be why. Yeah. Also, the the cars and the tracks mm -hmm. were not enough mm -hmm. in the same way and not enough content. Mm -hmm. uh, but the tracks, they were complaining that sometimes you can just race with the same cars, just a bit faster within the same circuit, and you only had to do like the same track twice. 
the same car or something like that. Right, right, right. So, yeah, there were a few complaints around the gameplay. And finally, one of the biggest complaints, which I found really interesting, is that you could buy your way into the first part of the game mm-hmm. and just buy cars. And mm-hmm. that just takes away the fun of actually progressing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a very comprehensive overview. Yeah. Are you sure you didn't play it? Are you sure you haven't been uh, no, I didn't, sneaking actually. down and <laughs> cracking open the PS5? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I haven't. Um, <laughs> At midnight, just kidding. I haven't. All right. Okay. I haven't. So, what, what were your complaints about it? Do you, do you have any? To be honest, I think it's I think it was all pretty fair. Um, to me, just playing a racing game because it's been a while since I had a console. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got the PS Five, playing a like a current gen racing game just kind of blew my mind anyway. Yeah, um, and I I wasn't playing it that much, and I still don't play it that much. Come on, it's only what like five hours a day. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, like I think the big thing is what I think really I want to go back to this motivation thing. I think they messed up the motivation. Yeah, okay. The extrinsic motivation, like. It was really, it's still not clear to me, like, why I played the game. Like, oh, my car collector level has just gone up from level 55 to 56. And then so what? Yeah, I'm, I literally have got no idea yeah. what I can do with that information. Um, And also, like, the in-game economy that you were talking about was basically, it, you played the game and the game didn't give you a lot of credits to go and buy new cars with. Yeah. So, you know, arguably, kind of like what you were talking about from at the very beginning, like, oh, one of my favorite reasons to play video game, racing video games is to buy new cars, to upgrade them and stuff like that. If you can't do that because you don't have enough money even though you've been playing like four hours that day you're kind of like well you know what what am i doing yeah, at the yeah. same time the game is like if you pay three quid you can just buy this car you're like yeah yeah. let's see what's going on here yeah yeah um so yeah i think i think that was that was i think i think really what they did is they 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 took too long to go from like i'm driving and i'm going to get new stuff because i'm driving mm-hmm. do you know what i mean yeah and they decided to pray i mean it's not it's not like it was a mistake it was a conscious decision very likely yeah. So they prioritize people buying things early on. I think so. But at the same time, it's it been like five years since they made a last franchise of game prior. Like they could have just forgotten. Like genuinely. Like, <laughs> like I don't think so. It's, 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 it's not like, you know, it's not like, you know, they're rapidly iterating the whole time or whatever the case may be. Like they release a game every five years and they, yeah. and they do release updates quite regularly in between but you're just like you think they, they could have forgotten like genuinely like so, some spreadsheet somewhere or like some value in like a p-list or something is just like off and they're just like well mm-hmm. do i don't know, know. i doubt it i think these things they they make conscious decisions especially if they relate to revenue as the game game grows yeah yeah fair enough but then also again going back to like that kind of relationship between Sony and Polyphony, the developers. Yeah. Maybe just like a good Gran Turismo game is just sells more consoles anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. often they, they sell the consoles to sell the games, but maybe this game sells the consoles. Yeah, but you don't know what happened in the politics yeah. between those two. Yeah. And I think that's that's what drives these things. Maybe they, I don't know. I don't I, know. I want to tell you one more quick story, which is quite cool. And I forgot okay. it earlier. Before, then I'm going to ask you about Vision GT. Okay. Right. So is that what I did uh, some of the most research about? Excellent, excellent. Okay. So apparently, so the creator of the video game, he plays kind of like halfway through like his career on doing Gran Turismo, mm-hmm. obviously became quite successful. So he had money to go racing in real life. And he was doing a qualify. He was basically racing at the 24 hours of, of the Nürburgring, which is actually quite a big, important race. Like an online race? Online race? No, no, in real life. Okay. Um, And it's like GT3 cars. So these are cars that can't drive in the street. You know, they don't have AC. Mm-hmm. They've got nothing in them. They're like a steering wheel, an engine, and tyres. Like, they're proper, proper race cars. Really cool. My favourite class of cars, probably. Okay. Um, but anyway. <laughs> and the Nürburgring... Imagine going around the Nürburgring for 24 hours. Could you imagine that? Do your head in. Like, this just... It's an insane race. Loads yeah. of crashes. It's really hardcore. 
And like, it's pretty impressive that he was there and he actually he's won twice in his class. So he's a very good racing driver. But anyway, so he, he was he was there and they were doing qualifying, right? And there was a part on the lap where uh, the car that he was in, which is a Nissan GTR, if anyone cares, was like jumping up in the air, right? It was lo- losing contact with the ground. And they were like, why is this happening? This is super dangerous. It's really scary for the drivers. You're losing grip, you're losing control. You, and you know, yeah, th- there's a really famous video of um, Mark Webber at Le Mans and his car goes up and basically he just flies into the trees. It was a horrible crash, right? It's no one likes to see race cars yeah becoming an airplane yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah so basically that's what they did and then what he did they were like what's going on here they looked at the data about the setup so like all the information about the way that the car has been set up um like suspension geometry uh fuel load loads of stuff right they fed that information into gran turismo uh drove it in gran turismo uh using the same simulation saw the same issue then we're like okay well let's change a few settings in gran turismo yeah, yeah yeah and then did it again it was fine and then made those setting changes in the real car and it was fine interesting so it's quite realistic then <sighs> i mean that's my that's the real question that i wanted to ask you there's no way for anyone to really know whether it's realistic or not because number one most people drive on a controller anyway which is not a realistic method of input yeah. and secondly how many people are like for me my favorite car in gran turismo is is a porsche 911 gt3 race car right i'm never going to drive that car in real life so i have no idea if this game is realistic or not which is kind of this whole claim to realism is is very interesting to me because it's completely unverifiable mm, yeah but like in theory like all software simulators are simulations right they're all based on specific functions yeah math yeah. functions that have been proven to predict re- reality to some extent so like all of those math functions have been defined have been defined already. So like yeah. the physics okay, agree. could be realistic. The tire tire work could be realistic. It's just to some extent you want to follow that rea- realistic model. Yeah, but then ag- agree. But then like you know, but there's so many things that I I mean okay, you're right. Like well, are you though? Because you're assuming that they're using a perfect simulation, like a physics simulation in the game, right? Yeah, but like I would say using the perfect physics simulation, I think it could be is like the easiest part. Interesting. Okay. The well, hardest part is to get like all the different edge cases. Yeah. I'll give you an example. When I was doing my research for uni, mm-hmm. we basically I was basically trying to do research on a cannula inserted in an aorta, so in a heart, just to for different medical devices. And I, in that moment, you basically need to do a, a bunch of trade-offs on, okay, so how realistic do I want to get with the liquid? Um, how realistic do I want to get with the geometry? How realistic do I want to get with the flow? How realistic do I want to get with the viscosity? So all of these parameters. For like a CFD simulation? Yeah, for like a CFD simulation. And basically, like, you could go as far as you want. And like these things get really well, because at the end of the day, these are a bunch of iterations uh, that you need to make. It's just like math iteration. So you try to define how realistic is this in the real world. And they, it will just take you forever if you don't have the computing power. But I, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that it works when everything is like normal. But then when you have edge cases, yeah, for yeah. example, in this hard scenario, it's like, oh, when there is a specific temperature that... I was going to say temperature, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that where the blood is at specific viscosity or maybe you, you ate too much uh, fat that day and your blood is actually super, super, super dense. Is that what happens when you... I have no idea. Oh, I'm making okay. things up. But... Uh, <laughs> But like, I don't know, and you know, you know what yeah, I mean, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Or maybe you got a clog that just yeah. created that, that form like a yeah. few weeks before and you're actually not putting that and yeah. you're not getting enough blood flow. Like, there are so many edge cases. Or like maybe you're like lying down or standing up. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That could be maybe that changes something in your body for whatever reason. And the same applies when simulating things in cars, right? So yeah. maybe there is a specific engine temperature. 
yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, that you might have not accounted for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then also like just the sensation of it as well. Like, you know, um, when you're in a car, you're subject to G-forces, right? Yeah. And, you know, you're not feeling that when you're sat, sat on the sofa with the PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, even like the smell of the tire smoke. Yeah, um, I went. I went go karting with a friend of mine. We were both really looking forward to it. He did one lap, and then he threw up in his helmet because of the the, the smell from the from the rubber. <laughs> Someone is on me for a race. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's just like you have like, to pick your friends right, right? Yeah, well, great friends still to this day. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like honestly, like that's um, and then and then and then finally, I guess the the, the biggest one as well is is fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you would do things in a simulation that you never do in real life. Yeah. Like yeah, you have less risk. Yeah. Like what happens if I just don't break? Yeah. Anyway, so that's that simulation. The final thing I wanted to ask you then was was um, Vision GT because I've got one question I want to ask you at the end of all all of this. Well, I can tell you what I did. Yeah. So I knew nothing about Vision GT. So mm-hmm. I did quite a lot of research. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by research, I mean watching a bunch of videos on how these car manufacturers mm-hmm. make these cars. Oh, I love this. Those videos are so funny, aren't they? Yeah. Because they're like you yeah. know. It's like it's like the same script. Yeah, for all of them. <laughs> yeah. They are like, yeah, this is to inspire future racers. We're pushing the boundaries. Yeah, of pushing like... the boundaries. This is the combi- <laughs> the combination of getting the right balance between one or the other. Honestly, um, stuff like that is why people don't like designers. Well, I I have a few thoughts. I'll tell you. But another thing that I they all had in common is that um we just want to basically inspire. Uh, the next generation of racers, but also say where the future of company X is going. Yeah. So yeah. Jaguar did it, Nissan did it, um, Ferrari did it. And if I summarize everything and I have to say which one I like the most, I think they're all somewhat interesting, interesting but Ferrari just takes it to another oh. level. I have to say there is something in Ferraris. Dude. I think it's language, like how romantic they are when they explain specific concepts. Yeah, fair enough. They're just like, wow. I wish this like people spoke like that about the work mm-hmm, I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I still don't understand why why they do this. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is the whole point of doing this? Just yeah. to play with the car? I do understand that it's very interesting. As a, I don't know if there is some sort of partnership between I don't know PS Five. There is like there is Sony. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think it's a great way to just develop concepts if for free or very cheap if Sony pays for part of it. Yeah, Which yeah. I don't know if that's the case. Oh, okay, yeah, fair enough, yeah. Um, but that was my theory. I think, I think you've completely hit the nail on the head, like in terms of what it is and everything else like that. Like, okay, so tell me. Well, I completely agree with you. Like, basic, basically what it is, like they partner with these car brands and they basically... Like, like you said, um, like Polyphony, the developers of Gran Turismo will partner with these car brands and say, hey, design us a concept car, we'll put it in the game. Yeah. Right? It's like marketing for both sides. And, yeah. you know, like you said, they can say where they're going to go and all the rest of it. What I find really, I, I, I honestly, I would never drive one of these cars in Gran Turismo unless I have to for like some specific <laughs> Unless method. you have to. Wow. Poor Do you know right. what I mean? Like, okay. I just. So it, you have never driven the Ferrari? No, I haven't. It doesn't appeal to me. Number one, it's a million credits and I can't afford it. And, and number two. That's the reason why. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and number two. Well, I've got the Porsche one. How was a Porsche one. A million credits. I think they're all a million. But okay. but it's it's really interesting because like you know I was thinking I was thinking oh god this is so like this is so abstract you know I, I love cars because they're real they're like sculptures you can see in real life right yeah but actually you know if if we move towards VR and things like that like as a percentage of cars that you see right. There might be there might be a world in which like I don't know twenty years time people see more virtual cars than they see real cars. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and therefore that like if you if you're a car designer and you want your work to be out there in the world, are you not just like going to be like, hey, I'd rather design virtual cars than real cars? And the same question for 
designing anything. Like, I wonder how much time is spent, not time, but let's say human exertion or human effort is spent designing things in the real world versus the virtual world now. I'd love to see that split out on a pie chart. And I'd love to see that pie chart change over time. Yeah, that could be quite interesting. What do you mean by, do you mean virtual world? You mean like anything, social media? Anything digital, anything digital. I would say more things are made for the visual, the virtual world. Um, more human time is exerted on the virtual world. Yeah. I mean, you see it today, right? Like, how much time did you spend in front of a computer? Yeah, Instead agree. of writing a piece of paper. Yeah, I mean, agree. But then, like, think about all the 20 million signs that I walked past, all the cars that I walked past, the street that I was on, the graffiti, you know, the, the built environment that I spent my Yeah, but well, where was your attention in. during that time? No, but not, no, but, podcast. no but not of, not of the, not of the fair point. But then my, I think my point is that it's not about, like, where is human attention spent kind of consuming, but where is human attention spent designing? Do you see like, what I mean? Okay, like, what's the outcome? Is it a, an out, a, a digital thing or a... Well, like, where are the inputs? People creating things right now. Are more people creating things for the real world or the virtual world? And then in the future, will that change? Yeah, but they definitely use a digital tool for the input. But the output does not become a... I, I guess my point is, like, people who make things make a lot of things for the physical world now. Like, just looking around this room, there's books, mm -hmm. there's furniture, there's flooring, you know, there's everything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my question is that in the future, the amount of human time as a proportion of all time spent designing spent on designing physical things will decrease versus virtual things. I don't know. I think it will plateau. I think right now we are, we, we need the data for that, but we are probably plateauing. Yeah. Like actually, what do you need physically? Actually, actually, you need maybe a few transportation methods. You need no. food. No. You need water. No. You need a house or no, a shelter. Don't need any of that. You just need a pair of VR goggles. No, you need a, a few of that. <laughs> I, they could be as scrappy as you can. Once you put your headset on, then maybe that's where the world starts. <laughs> like that's like the ultimate there we go. edge case, right? But what I was thinking with this, uh, with this uh, designing from from the industry, what's the name again? The Vision Beauty. Yeah. I was wondering if as these simulators get more and more realistic, is it a do 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 they get access on how specific features in the car perform, and they can use that data to like to then implement it into future designs of the car? Yeah, good question. I mean, right now, from, from what I understand from reading, I read the Porsche one. They were like, um, like basically they just design it and they send it off to Polyphony who then do the sound, the motion, wow. everything else like that to turn it from like basically a drawing into like a 3D asset, uh, yeah, yeah. like a car. But, but could put a... I mean, like performance-wise, I assume that people, when they make cars, are simulating so much stuff in it anyway already. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway... I think, you know, I think what this really proves is that every episode designed by us eventually leads to VR dystopia. This mm -hmm. <laughs> is kind of where we end up and, and on that wonderful note, would you like to close us out? Yeah. So if you enjoy the, the podcast, please share with a friend. And if you didn't also do share with a friend, then we are trying to keep this podcast ads free for as long as possible, as long as we can. So if you would like to support us, there is a link in the show notes where you will find all the things that we talk about this episode. And you will find also a link to Bioza Design. And there you will find Ravis and I social where you can follow us and the Patreon as well, where you can support us and join the San Bios community. Join the community, it's awesome. Yeah, thank you. See you in a bit.